Hello everyone, welcome back to this latest episode in the 2019 Roundtable series. Today's topic is, is sales technology helping or hindering current levels of sales achievement? I'm Jonathan Farrington, I'm the CEO of JF Initiatives, which of course is the parent company of Top Sales World, Top Sales Magazine, the Global Sales Directory and the Sales Futurists. I'm also, I'm very happy to say, Director of Research for the Sandler Research Center. Today's discussion and topic is, as I suggested, is sales technology helping or hindering current sales achievement levels? Now, over the past five years, we've witnessed huge investment in new sales technology solutions and process tools. However, that investment does not guarantee an appropriate return in terms of increased and improved sales performance. In fact, within the results of Sandler Research Center's inaugural survey, 53% that, yep, you heard it, 53% of respondents told us that they had not received an appropriate return on the investment they've made in sales technology. And most alarmingly, only 38% said that their organization was more effective or a lot more effective as a result of sales technology implementation. And yet, We've been told that the predicted spend on sales technology solutions for 2020 is going to be $50 billion. So one of my questions today to the panel will be, will it be money well spent? So without further ado, let me introduce you to the panel. Bob Apollo is the founder of Inflection Point Strategy Partners, the leading UK-based B2B value selling experts. Following a successful corporate career, Spanning startups, scale-ups, and market leaders, Bob now works as a proactive advisor, coach, and trainer to a growing number of ambitious B2B-focused sales organizations, enabling them to systematically transform their sales effectiveness by adopting the proven principles of value-based selling. Matt Hines is a prolific author and nationally recognized award-winning blogger. Matt is president and founder of Hines Marketing, with 20 years of marketing, business development, and sales experience from a variety of organizations and industries. He has helped organizations such as Amazon, Seagate, Morgan Stanley, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and of course, many others to create predictable, repeatable sales and marketing engines to fuel growth. Finally, Matt is a repeat winner of the top 50 most influential people in sales lead management, and he's also regularly a top 50 sales and marketing influencer with Top Sales World. Keith Rosen. Keith has delivered the transformational programs to hundreds of thousands of salespeople and managers in practically every industry on five continents and in over 70 countries. Keith has written several bestsellers, including Own Your Day, the globally acclaimed coaching salespeople into sales champions, which was winner of five international best book awards and the number one best-selling sales management coaching book on Amazon for the last seven consecutive years. His most recent book, Sales Leadership, the Essential Leadership Framework to Coach Sales Champions, Inspire Excellence and Exceed Your Business Goals was named 2018 Top Sales Book of the Year at last year's Top Sales Awards. And finally, and certainly not least, 
David Matson is a best-selling author, sales and management thought leader, keynote speaker, and leader for sales and management training. The CEO and president of Sandler Training, David oversees the corporate direction and strategy for the company's global operations with focus on sales leadership, strategy, and client satisfaction. He's also written five books, the latest of which are The Road to Excellence and The Success Cadence. Gentlemen, welcome. I know this is going to be a lively debate. I suspect that you've been thinking about the topic that we are going to discuss, and you'll have come with your, your own angle on it all. So, Bob, I'm going to kick off with you. Do you think that all sales organizations have become over-reliant on sales technology to achieve success? Well, I think there's a danger that that's happened in some cases. I think sales technology has been presented, um, sometimes irresponsibly, as something of a miracle cure. Hmm. And I think although it can support critical thinking on the part of both sales leadership and salespeople, it can't um, substitute for it. So my sense is it is possible, uh, and there are a number of standout examples of organizations who've done it, to invest in sales technology and get the sort of results that one would look for. But it is by no means um, an automatic outcome. And uh, as I've said, I don't think you can uh, invest in technology as a substitute for clarity of thinking about what you're trying to achieve and why you're trying to achieve it. Yeah, do you, do you think it's true, Bob, that so many organizations out there, of all the millions of organizations out there, sales organizations, that too many of them think that sales technology is a panacea and it's going to correct all ills? Uh, I'd like to think not, because I think it's a naive view. Um, I think sometimes they're sold it as if it's uh, something like that. Um, I, uh, but I, But I think any... Any rational and intelligent sales leader will, I think, see sales technology as an enabler, um, but not something that will deliver results unless it's implemented uh, yeah. effectively. Unless, actually, it's bought into by the users. And I think that's one area where classically technology investments can go astray. If the users feel as if either the technology itself or the process that's embodied in the technology is being imposed on them rather than reflecting the best practices of colleagues they regard as being good role models. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree with you. Matt, how do you feel? Do, do you think that sales organizations have become over reliant and are using sales technology as a crutch rather than a uh, an additional weapon in their armory? Well, I do think, and you know, we see this across both sales and marketing organizations that oftentimes, you know, we think that the next sales tool we buy or the next piece of technology we deploy is going to be the silver bullet that fixes everything. Uh, and I've, you know, I've never seen a single tool, let alone a set of tools, that solves all ills. Uh, and I think that, so I think expecting something to have that kind of an impact um, is just setting people up for failure. Uh, and I also think that there, you know, if you are going to implement sales technology, many of which, many tools of which, can, can actually dramatically help you be more successful, more productive, et cetera, you have to launch those effectively. And so I think if you simply buy something and expect it's going to work out of the box, 
uh, very few, if any, tools are going to be that self-sufficient. You have to launch it correctly. You have to integrate it into your team. You have to customize the inputs and the content to your sales culture, to your audience. Um, all those components are required to make those tools more successful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as you travel around um, meeting with your clients um, and working with them and coaching them and um, mentoring them, what percentage off the top of your head, what percentage do you think have managed to implement technology properly and efficiently? I mean, I would, boy, I would, I would actually say in the single digits, Jonathan, I think that, you know, um, and I think it's, it's varies for different tools. I mean, there are tools like um, some of the sales acceleration tools that maybe have been more adequately launched because they've become so effective and so important to the to the stack. Um, I think CRM is a good example of where a lot of companies really fall down that don't do enough customization of their sales process, that don't have a, a a philosophy of minimalism, quite frankly, to make sure the sales reps spend as little time in CRM as possible. Mm. So I think it's it's not an all or all or none situation, but I think you know provide doing a level of sort of a sales tech stack audit, understanding what you have, what you're using, why you have those tools, whether you're getting the benefit out of them and doing that evaluation on a regular basis can help you wean out the tools that aren't as effective and then double down on those that can have a bigger impact for you. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I do agree. I, I, I think, and, and in fact, we wrote this in, in, in our follow-up report to that first piece of uh, research. You know, we made it very, very clear that it, before investing, you know, what thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars in any technology, there's got to be a strategy. But I mean, surely the first question you've got to ask yourself is, what do I want to achieve? And I think the danger out there at the moment is that there's too many heat seekers, you know, and by heat seeker, I mean it's someone who is attracted to the latest piece of technology. Uh, and, and just goes and buys it on behalf of the company without actually consulting with anyone. And, and usually it's not those people that have got to use it. You know, it's the PBI, it's the poor bloody infantry. Keith, as you travel around, do you, uh, uh, this is a specific question for you because I know, you know, you specialize in coaching sales leaders, stroke sales managers. In your experience, are they primarily responsible within your clients for? you know, driving sales technology and making the decisions about it? Or did, typically, do the decisions come from a, a higher level? It, I find that one of the things that most companies step over before they roll out any new uh, technology or initiative is that they're not taking the time to ensure company readiness. Yeah. They're not taking the time to ensure there are no other competing priorities. They're not taking the time to really think about exactly how much time do we need how much human uh, uh, you know human resources do we need to help roll this out on the timeline that we want so these questions are not being answered and building off the great comments that we've already heard it really does um, really does marry to that because there's these are the direct reasons why there is a low level of adoption um, across the board when it comes to new technology. So a lot of these companies, most companies are not taking the time to do these things, let alone taking the time to even uh, enroll people and enroll their audience and sales organization on, hey, this is our new CRM. 
adopt it. Well, boss, I have my own process. Well, it doesn't matter. This is what we're using. And then we wonder why engagement is so low and, you know, and there's such a, a low level of adoption. Uh, what's not happening is with all the other things I shared, they're not taking the time to sit down with their team and really help them understand why they're doing it, not only what they're doing, and most important, aligning what they're doing with what's in it for them so they can see the actual benefit of doing it. And if that doesn't happen, people aren't going to change. So you take all these things into consideration and all these really, and of course, not the managers, knowing even how to develop and reinforce what they're learning even after the training. These are all the reasons why a lot of the rollouts fail. And, you know, the shiny crystal ball doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you think that the response that we got to our inaugural survey, where 53% of our respondents said that they had not received an appropriate return on the investment they've made. Uh, is that pretty accurate from your perspective and in your experience? Actually, uh, I just recently heard that less than, and just speaking, for example, uh, CRM for a moment, uh, it, it never a sore spot for companies, right, JF? Uh, <laughs> less than 40% of CRM customers have end user adoption rates above 90%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and then we wonder why 49% of all 49% of all CRM projects fail. Yeah. Well, absolutely. and then and then let's come now. Let's bring that home. 83% of senior executives explain that their biggest challenge was getting their staff to use the software. Yeah. Well, whose fault is that? Well, you know, everything rolls downhill. Avalanches roll downhill. Starts with the senior leadership, and 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 if they're not taking the time to lay the foundation that it will allow this to stick and be reinforced, it will fail. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, what's interesting, you're talking about you're talking about CRM, of course, and CRM is usually the largest technology spend that most organisations make. And in fact, what I can share with you is that the forecasted of the forecasted 50 billion that's going to be spent on sales technology in 2020, 15 billion of that is going to be earned by Salesforce. So that's nearly a third. Mm. It's quite mm. extraordinary, isn't it? David, if, if I could also ask you the question, I mean, because, you know, with, 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 with such a wide reach that Sandler has now, you know, do you feel that, that sales organisations within the, the Sandler family, as, as an example, have become over-reliant on sales technology to achieve success? I don't think so. I mean, I think that there's pockets. These SNBs um, pick and choose. They're probably very far more effective than the enterprise clients. But if you think of buckets such as, okay, uh, prospecting buckets, sales process, account management, and coaching, and the buckets can be different for each company. I think we're over reliant on some of the technology to do things that we don't want to do. Um, for instance, we have an auto dialer. All right, well, that's technology. So why are we buying the auto dialer? Are we buying the auto dialer to make 100 dials so I can talk to 12 live people an hour? Is that because I want to become more efficient? Or is it because I have call reluctance and I don't know how to get out that and it's easier for a local sales leader to just say, I'm, uh, I'm going to do it for you, right? Um, so I think a lot of it is is there. I think when you have smaller organizations or individual sales leaders within an enterprise, they find a solution because they had an issue. And so they've connected the dots successfully of here's what I'm experiencing. Here's my pain. Here is a solution. They've identified one. 
Then they kick it upstairs to the enterprise and they say, look, we found something or they've got somebody's attention. And that's when it often goes astray because they're going to take the local win of whatever they found. They're going to now do, let's make a global decision and buy global. And, the and you know, this beautiful stallion turns into a camel. Everybody's involved. And then it turns into a silo, um, you know, because people are going to be using it, touching, you know, where, where they feel it's necessary. But if and any of us on the line, you, we all know we have got clients that have technology that are either, you know, used in silos or used across the board. I think the success is when it's used across the board. They've done all the things successfully that all of our speakers have talked about today, which is, you know, that communication and rollout, which is key. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm going to come back to you very, very shortly, David, uh, because I want to start this next round of um, uh, topics with you. But I've got a little message from Bob in my chat box. Bob, do you want to make a comment about really what Keith was suggesting in terms of resistance from the sales floor to implementing yeah. change? Well, and I, I think we have to recognize any significant technology implementation as a change management exercise and that behaviors or attitudes uh, need to be part of that uh, change management exercise. If we ignore it, um, the chances that, you know, we'll suffer really poor user acceptance are extremely high. Hmm. I mean, there are well-established principles, I think, behind successful change management, not least of which bringing all the interested parties into the process. And uh, I yeah. think maybe a few less technologies implemented with better regard for successful change management would drive better results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And again, this was one of our recommendations. We said, look, you know, before you invest, make any investment in any technology, you've got to involve all of the stakeholders in the decision making process. It's absolutely essential. So, yeah, good. David, you've been on so many roundtables and we've discussed the declining levels of sales achievement you know for the last i think two or three years we've been told that it's now 50 percent of frontline sales professionals are achieving quota uh but in fact you know our research has discovered that it's probably a lot worse than that um so what i wanted to ask you is do you think that this over-reliance on technology is, is one of the factors is, is, it an, is it one of the reasons why we are witnessing this alarming decline in achievement levels? I think it's one of the reasons. I don't know if we can pinpoint it, but I certainly think it's one of the reasons. Yeah. I mean, buying technology in so many different areas to me is symptomatic that we have issues, whether it's in coaching or in sales or we, we can pick the topic. And instead of really figuring out who is willing and able in our organization and providing the necessary training and coaching, in order to increase that skill level, we default to, I don't know how to do that, or I don't have a common uh, language, I don't know how to coach, I don't have a common sales process, so I'm going to buy technology to help me you know, deal with it, and they kind of whitewash over it, and technology is not going to solve the problem yeah. the majority of the time. So is it a contributing factor? Uh, yes, but I think it's a bigger issue. Yeah, yeah. I, about as we've discussed often enough, of course, yes, it's a very wide-ranging issue. But, you know, it occurred to me the other day when I was thinking about this topic, I, I think, you know, there is definitely 
uh, I think there's strong evidence that in many cases, technology is getting in the way because it's not the right technology. Uh, as Bob suggested, it's, it's of paramount importance that you buy the right technology for what you need to achieve your objective. Just buying for the case sake of it is, um, is, is you know, erroneous to say the least. Well, Jonathan, how many clients have we had that have said, oh, I just heard my good friend over at XYZ Company has bought a, a piece of software that does whatever, fill in the blank, and yeah. they've had great results. So therefore, we're going to try it. Yeah. Well, wait a minute now. That's like saying, hey, you're on great medication for something over there, with, and I'm going to try it over here with me, even though I have a heart condition, you have a liver condition. They don't match, <laughs> but we're looking for that, you know, we're looking for that rainbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Keith, I know you want to say something about declining quota, uh, de declining achievement levels. Well, Jeff, it's the eternal irony. You know, without the people, there is no one to drive the process and the technology. So, of course, you know, it's wonderful now with the advent of all this new technology, the ability to find and qualify and connect with buyers around the globe and, and be able to work anywhere and increase efficiency and, and, and really dive down to identify our ideal prospects and customers. But, you know, you can't automate people. And I think that's the challenge. You know, you can automate a process. And I think that, that that distinction needs to be divided here. And this also, again, bleeds into one of the other things we'll eventually talk about is um, the, the degeneration of investment uh, and management development uh, in, in each person. Uh, you know, when, manage, when salespeople are more reliant on technology and the managers are more reliant on technology, then then what's their motivation to go out and, and, and learn how to develop an additional skill of, of coaching and really truly learning how to develop their people. So yeah. what do companies do? They start yeah, yeah, virtualizing yeah. their training and development. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Matt, I mean, you've not been on a round table before, but um, and we're, we're delighted that you're on this one, of course. But, you know, we do often talk about this, you know, alarming decline in achievement levels simply because it's got to be front of mind for everybody you know uh, and yeah we often debate the fact that people are telling us that it's happening but nobody's telling us or advising us or suggesting what the remedy is and, and you know this is one of the things that we're doing we promised to roll back the sheets we're damn well going to find out what's going on but you know in your experience as you travel around yeah, are, are you witnessing an over-reliance on sales technology versus sales skills? The short answer, I think, Jonathan, is yes. I think we see we see a lack of thoughtfulness in adopting sales technology. As we mentioned before, I think you've got a lot of companies that think that a particular tool is going to solve all their ills. Uh, I think a tool is just going to amplify holes in your sales strategy, holes in your training, holes in your hiring. Um, so I think, you know, when you think about a tool for the sales force, it needs to either amplify the impact of the fundamentals of your sales organization. It needs to automate certain repetitive tasks that help your sales team be more efficient, uh, or it needs to help you scale the impact of solid sales strategy and sales training more fundamentally and more efficiently across a, a, a larger organization. Um, but I don't think the sales in it, the tools in any way are going to replace those fundamentals. I think those fundamentals are what's required to make the tools be 
successful and to drive greater success and efficiency in your organization. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And we, as we always say, you know, a fool with a sales tool is still a fool. So, you know, I, I would sort of add to that and say an underachieving salesperson with good technology is, isn't, isn't necessarily going to become a great salesperson overnight. Of course they're not, are they? Well, um, I think part of the challenge there is not being, not just being a lack of thoughtfulness about like what, what role the technology can have. But I think oftentimes, you know, when companies buy technology, they, they send a login to the, to the sales team. They don't do adequate training. They don't do reinforcement of how this fits into your sales process. They don't integrate that new tool and its required processes with the other processes in the organization. So I think you're left with oftentimes a sales organization that doesn't really know how to use the tool, that doesn't know how to use it in integrated with other systems or how to, act, how to adequately apply it to your sales methodology. And so these tools that are meant to be driving efficiency and performance gains end up being counterproductive because the, you're just companies say, well, that didn't work or that we that was the shiny object two months ago. So now we're just going to go buy another tool and you exacerbate the situation. So <laughs> I love it's really, really important. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, a, that's a, a, a massive point, Matt. Bob, I'm going to come on to you in a moment and I'm going to ask you, as you bid for new business, as, as you attempt to win new clients, are you finding now that you're not just competing for budget against other organizations, but you're actually competing on budget or for budget against sales technology? So have a think about that for a moment. And I'm just going to sure. I'm just going to go back to Keith because I've just had 97 messages from him. Keith, do you want to come in? I think it was about 83 messages. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to uh, go deeper a little bit on the, on, on the question you had about the spend on technology and the impact it's had on sales development. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, if we've looked at the statistics out there, uh, the average cost right now, um, and we've discussed this before, when it comes to investing in employees for training is about $1,200, not even less. And that's getting even worse because they're taking that money and they're investing in technology. But the problem is if they're investing less in their people, which is from zero to about $1,250 a year, that's about $100 a month per employee. Now, companies are spending more on that on technology per person. Yeah. And I thought the most important investment that companies can make is in people. Absolutely. Yet, here's a great example of them putting results and profit over people again, and it's only getting worse. It's imbalanced. So, uh, quite frankly, you know, if I was a leader, I, I feel like it's a little embarrassing, even hypocritical, when they're saying putting people first when they're still putting the numbers first and, and what they can do to supposedly continually drive that number. Of course. And it's it's so short sighted. And you expect people working at a high level to understand that one of the basic principles of business, and that is people make businesses successful. Products and solutions come second, but it's our people that make us successful. Uh, and people need yeah, to realize and that. At the and at the end of the day, you know, you know, the old adage, people are going to buy from people, you know, and, and eventually, regardless of how automated your process is, depending on your industry or sales cycle or average deal size, eventually you need to pick up that phone and have a human connection or sit face to face with that client. And yeah, that yeah. is inevitable. Yeah, absolutely. Bob, I threw out a question to you or a topic, but I think you really want to make another comment about this, don't you? 
Well, uh, yeah, very briefly, uh, I, I think if, if I do see a pattern, it's bad technology <clears throat> implementations uh, get to that state in large part because they have lacked context. They've either lacked context in terms of why, uh, you know, buy into this technology in the first place, or they've lacked context in terms of it hasn't been introduced to the users, um, you know, with a really clear message about to the points that have been made by others, how this is going to help you. Yeah. I think if you present it as here is another process you have to follow because some bright spark in headquarters or marketing or wherever has bought into it, well, it serves you right if you don't get take up and you don't get results. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's like having HR being responsible for um, purchasing training for the sales team. Um, horror. Well, and, uh, yeah, I've been there before. And it's not <laughs> always a successful outcome. <clears throat> no, absolutely right, Bob. Okay, so back to my uh, back to my other question sure. then. In terms of uh, in terms of topic, are you finding yourself competing? against um rather than other organizations when you respond with an rfp or however sure. however you do uh, with 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 their their possible spend on new technology uh, i'll make a general observation it's something i coach every salesperson i work with it's that your competition is always wider than you think it isn't just other similar solutions it's always all of the other ways in which any given potential customer could choose to invest their resources. So yes, absolutely. You know, there's kind of a basket of available money or management attention, and you might well find technology competing against training, competing against consultancy or what have you. Um, so that's a fact of life, candidly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, it, for me, it works more the other way around because very often, um, I'll get involved because the sales leader, an enlightened sales leader, has recognized that uh, their attempt to solve problems through technology isn't working as well as uh, they had hoped or as well as it had been sold to by whoever promoted it to them. Mm -hmm. And they've recognized it's time to step back and look at what we're really trying to achieve. So it's as much opportunity as it is competition uh you know for, for 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 budget yeah 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 absolutely absolutely okay matt i'm going to come to you in a moment and i'm going to ask you a question i'm going to ask you that if you were well you are you are a ceo and president i know but if you were uh in charge of a failing sales team uh who were achieving supposedly 50 percent of quota or 50 percent of the team were achieving quota year on year probably more like 40 percent would you be tempted with everything that you know now to invest in more technology or would you more wisely, and I don't mean to lead you here, would you more wisely invest in your sales team's skills? So I'll, I'm going to go across to David and I'll come back to you. David, you know, the, the, the question I asked Bob is so relevant to you with with everything that's happening within the, the Sandler family and all the outlets that you've got and you know the vast reach do you think that your franchisees or even you know your corporate teams are competing for budget against technology more today than they ever have done 
Absolutely. I would say that our traditional, if I were to just look at it from my lens as a salesperson, our traditional competition in a global perspective, I can tell you who they are, what they do and everything there is to know. But now that's no longer um, really our competition as we move forward, as Bob alluded to, it's, it's really, it's consultancy. But from our perspective, my competitors are now technology companies who are saying that their solution is the single solution, which is never accurate and, and neither is Sandler. So, and, and therefore you don't need X, you don't need um, to train your sales force or to train your sales leaders, the technology would take over. And I've just did this at our conference. I just said, this is the new horizon. You're competing against others who will minimize skill development in humans, even though as Keith said, you know, people buy from people and that this tool will be the reason why people are successful. And Jonathan, to take it one step further, in the sales process, when you're selling to, especially uh, you know, uh, sales enablement and HR, they are more focused not on what would we be doing in the classroom or what were we gonna be doing to increase the skill level of our people, but what cool technology do you have? And that's always high on the checklist of who they're going to select for a larger rollout, which to your, you know, that kind of feeds into what we're talking about. And, you know, sadly, you know, we'll put that a little earlier in the presentation, depending who we're talking to. And when you get to the sales leadership, which I just hung up with before this, you know, they're like, hey, put that aside. I don't care about that. Tell me about what you're doing with my people. So I think it's based on the buyer within the organization, but that's what we're finding. You know, that is such a good point. You know, you mentioned sales enablement, you've mentioned HR. I mean, is this one of the reasons why, you know, such a high percentage of organizations investing in te sales technology are, are not getting a proper return on that investment simply because the decisions are being made by the wrong people. Do you, do you, is that the case, David? I think so. I mean, again, we're making generalizations here, but even if a sales leader says, here's my issue, my people are having problems in this, go find a solution. Sales enablement, HR, whoever is going to go out and find a solution, not really connected to the real problem, really dealing with symptoms and maybe the perception of one individual and not really doing a, a let's really take a, an assessment of what's going on in our team. And they're running off, coming back, saying this is the holy grail. And we're off changing, you know, chasing another purple squirrel. And um, I'm generalizing, but certainly that's happening more than not, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can see that. Um, OK, before I come back to Matt, which is about three nanoseconds, um, what I'd like all of you, all four panelists, if you would, please, what we'd like to do is when we end the recording, uh, I'd like each of you to think of three tips that you would give any organization. I was about to say that you would give any CEO thinking of investing in sales technology, but I think we've just proved that it isn't. The CEO is very rarely involved these days. Uh, it could be anybody from sales enablement, head of sales enablement to HR to who knows. What three tips would you give them before they make any more investment in extremely costly sales technology? OK, and we'll give we'll give the audience the tips at the end. So, Matt, can I come back to you? Do you want me to re repeat that? Or got it. I think you know your question is if I'm the if I'm the CEO of an organization and we're not hitting our number, 
um, you know, is technology the solution? And, you know, 99.9% of the time, it's, it certainly is not. Um, you know, what I want to do, if I'm not hitting my number, uh, one of the first things I want to do is I want to understand fundamentally, are we connecting with an audience based on a problem we can solve, right? So a technology is going to amplify your sales approach. Your sales approach needs to be based on who you are selling to and what the needs are from those organizations. And so, you know, if you buy a tool that simply helps you send 10 times more emails that are poorly written, that are, that are, that are aggressive, that are taking a really inappropriate approach, then that's not going to solve things. Um, if you don't have technology, but you're simply making a bunch of phone calls and saying, thanks for downloading the white paper, would you like to see a demo? You're not going to be successful either. So, you know, I want to go all the way back and make sure that what we are saying to prospects, the message we have, the offer we have is consistent, is relevant, is attractive. <laughs> How we translate that into our approach in the sales organization is a sales methodology, sales training opportunity. Once you've got that nailed down, the technology can amplify and assist in that. But to me, and that's a, obviously a simplification in that sort of three-tier hierarchy, but I would say that that's the way I would want to look at it. And that's the way, I, quite frankly, I would expect my sales leaders to look at it as well. Yeah, uh, Matt, I, I agree with you absolutely 100%. You see, some of us can think back before the days of sales technology, and we were hitting our numbers. We were being very successful because we'd been properly professionally trained and we were receiving ongoing coaching, counseling and mentoring. We didn't have the technology, but we were still hitting our numbers. And, you know, it just concerns me that all of a sudden, you know, as we keep discussing, you know, the, 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 the quota levels are deteriorating so alarmingly. Keith, can I provide you the same question that I asked Matt? I mean, you're a CEO. You've, your, your team are failing um, and you've got some money to spend. What are you going to spend it on? Are you going to spend it on ongoing skills training? Or are you going to spend it on the latest bright, shiny tool? Let's face it, technology is not going away, but, but we need to relook at the investment in people. So if you're asking me an either or question, wholeheartedly 100% invest in my people because the primary objective of every business is to make their people more valuable, not to make their technology more valuable. So we need to balance um, the technology of developing people and align that with the technological advancements that support our sales process. After all, with all the data and insight that we can get through all the technology that's out there, <laughs> it means nothing when salespeople have no idea what to do with that, how to leverage that in their messaging, in their communication, uh, in delivering their compelling reasons, and of course, providing the most value uh, and best solutions to their, to their customers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure all of you on the panel have got a formula that you work with. I mean, for example, if you were, if, 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 if a CEO or a potential client asked you, you know, what, what is your formula for success? You know, what should my sales team be working to? What's the mantra in order to have a much higher chance of success? And the one that I came up with way back, you know, 1992, I think, was attitude plus skills plus process, plus knowledge equals success. And I'll just tell you very, very quickly why I came up with that. And you'll note where process came in that formula. It was simply this. I believe that if you've got the right attitude, you're more likely to embrace the skills that you need in order for you to achieve 
whatever your objectives are. So once you've got the you've got the attitude, you've taken on board the skills, process brings us control. And we have no chance, no chance whatsoever of controlling external events unless we have control internally. So process is important. Technology is important, but it's only 25 percent. And finally, of course, knowledge and, and knowledge is irreplaceable. Technology will not give you knowledge. It may give you um, better access to data. But at the end of the day, if you're not knowledgeable about your industry, your industry, your market sector, your own company, your own products, you know, yourself, then um, uh, I think you've got a less likely chance of being successful. OK, well, look, we're, we're heading towards the end of our recording. And I did ask you all if you would contemplate providing advice to the audience. And the question is this. What can companies do to ensure that they receive a more appropriate return on their investment? In fact, I'll add a, I'll add a word to that uh, sentence, considerable investment, because technology is not inexpensive. So can I kick off with you, Bob? By all means, Jonathan. So <laughs> three, uh, uh, three key points I'd, I'd hope to share. So the first one is remember that your first objective is to stimulate and equip your salespeople to think and act in the right way. And it helps if your vision of your sales force is one of intelligent mammals rather than rigid crustaceans. <laughs> so, you know, it, we think about technology. I always think of it in terms of giving intelligent people a skeleton rather than restricting them within a cage. That's the first point. Yeah. I think the second one is let's identify what your top performers are doing, why they're doing it and invest to facilitate how some of those best practices can be embraced by other members of the sales force. Understanding there are different skill levels, but you know, notwithstanding, top performers tend to learn on the job more quickly, more effectively, avoid uh, doing stupid things and uh, spend their time doing the right things. I think everybody can learn from that. Technology can help. Yeah. I think the third one then is to have and I think it needs to be only a handful of sales performance metrics that you aim to improve. Mm. Set goals, monitor success, be prepared to adapt and react in order to maximize success. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Bob. Matt, have you got have you got three for us? I do. Um, and just to be brief, I would say, first of all, you know, when evaluating technology, don't start with a technology evaluation, start with your own organization and process evaluation. So find the gaps, find the constraints, find the bottlenecks in your in your process where technology can support you Two would be to define success up front. If you're going to invest in new tools or new training or new reps, no matter what you're investing in, I would hope that you have a sense of what success looks like upon that deployment and make sure you've got consensus internally around what, 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 your, what objectives you're working towards with that new investment. And third would be on a regular basis, do an audit of the tools that you're using and that you're buying to ensure that that entire realm of tools that you're using is providing the benefits you expect, uh, that your the team is using them effectively, 
and then you are calling out tools that are either no longer effective or no longer relevant um, so that you can ensure that the money you are spending is having the impact you desire. Yeah, I think that I agree with you, Matt. I think that's terribly important. Conducting a regular audit simply to also to ensure that, you know, you're not only receiving a proper return on your investment, but you're achieving the objectives that you set out when you made that initial purchase. Terribly, terribly important. Thank you. Keith. So uh, without without being redundant, there's some great points. And, and just to build off what Matt said, uh, which I think is essentially critical, uh, we also need to make sure we're auditing the skill set and the mindset, uh, the culture and the people readiness of the organization. Because without that, all the other things are going to crash and fail. Hmm. So uh, defining success up front and I say at the core, uh, and let's say the organization has the right technology to fill the right need for them to generate an, a return on that. Uh, to your point, JF, you need to still coach to the right attitude. And what does that mean? We need to ask for support of our sales force before we force this on them. And, you know, there's that saying, people, you know, they, they resist what they hear, but believe what they say. Well, people resist what's forced on them, but are bought into what they create. And uh, it's not done this way, but it needs to be flipped where uh, just like uh, managers, you know, they, their people don't work for them. The manager works for their people. Well, if that's the case, that should also be represented in this as well. Before rolling it out and hope for adoption, they should be asking their people first. So you get that alignment and they get that buy-in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And finally, David. Yeah, a couple of things. I, mean, I agree with everything that's been said. Uh, I think number one is that I would uh, absolutely try to figure out what we're trying to solve. What are the gaps? And doing that, is it for some of our people or all of our people? Sometimes we go after technology because some of our people are having issues, but therefore we dictate everyone does it. I would also say, what are our measurable ROIs? How are we going to know that this is success? What does success look like for us? I would beta test it for sure before we roll it out. Uh, I would also tie it to other tools so it's not siloed. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we hear, oh my gosh, I get another tool. And I think the big one, Jonathan, finally, is to plan out your communication and rollout. You can have poor technology, um, but it can be overcome by usage. <laughs> and you can have great technology that no one's using, which becomes uh, who cares. So those would be mine. Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much, David. <clears throat> well, listeners, we have reached that witching hour. I think this has been an excellent debate. And I think um, all four panelists have provided us with some excellent advice. Um, they've shared their wisdom. And I hope that you're all going to take away uh, all of that information, uh, particularly if you're in a role that requires you to be primarily responsible for making huge investments in sales technology. We asked the question at the front end, is sales technology helping or hindering current sales achievement levels? Well, I think what we've agreed is if used properly, if it's the right technology for what you want to achieve and it's properly implemented and properly audited, then it's a great help. It's not a hindrance. But conversely, you know, if you make the wrong decisions and if you overburden a sales team with far too much process and technology, it will become a distraction 
and it may even become a deterrent to sales success. So I think those are my final thoughts. So what I'd like to do is to thank the panel individually. Bob Apollo is the founder of Inflection Point Strategy Partners, and you'll find Bob over at www.inflectionpoint.com. Uh, I'd also say that um, you know if, if you're unable to take these details down whilst you're watching and listening, um, by all means, go across the top sales world, uh, click on the button at the top that says contributors, and you'll find all four of our panelists there. And there's Matt Hines, President, Hines Marketing, Inc. So that's www.hinesmarketing.com. And no doubt Matt will be delighted to hear from you. David Matson, President and CEO of the Sandler Empire, Sandler Training, www.sandler.com. And finally, Keith Rosen. Have we got this name right now, Keith? Profit Builders. Yes, sir. The CEO Just got the domain wrong. Yeah, I noticed that. Would you like to? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. we, we, we can't be perfect. It's impossible. Do you want to tell everybody what the URL is? Sure. And that'll direct to the appropriate website, which would be uh, KeithRosen.com. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay, and just finally, 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 before we go, um, I've mentioned on a couple of occasions, I've tried to limit it and uh, I've tried to be good, um, but we're very excited about the work that we're doing over at Sandler Research Centre. And I suggested that we really are committed, totally, totally committed to getting those, getting underneath the sheets, rolling the carpet back and finding out just what is going on in the sales space. We've, we're now on to our second piece of research and it's called the client experience. Now, we've all got clients, but we're not all good at managing those clients. We're not all good at, at making the most of those relationships. Uh, and so I would urge you to invest 10 minutes of your time, go over to Sandler Research Center and complete this latest piece of research. It's called the client experience. And in return, we will give you not only a, a summary fairly quickly after the survey ends. We will also send you a copy of the comprehensive report, <clears throat> which promise me, I can promise you, is not a facts uh, dump. It will give you our thoughts. It will give you our viewpoint. It will give you our recommendations. And it will, you'll also discover what the very best and most successful organizations are doing in order to maintain their best relationship with their most important customers. Yeah, so it's it's a, a, a terrific investment for just 10 minutes of your time. And, and, and I will say this, we are only sending our reports out exclusively. That's the full comprehensive report to anyone that responds. So there is exclusivity in that. And finally, 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 if you haven't discovered the sales futurists, I suggest that you get over there as soon as you possibly can, because genuinely the future of professional selling is here. We've launched the site and we are coming up to phase two where we're going to add new features. 24 of the world's leading sales thought leaders are over there. We formed a team um, and uh, I think you'll be very impressed in the work that we're doing. That just leads me to thank you for listening, watching. Um, I hope you're enjoying the 2019 Roundtable series. We're very excited about it. It's proven very popular. And everyone that's been a panelist, I believe, has enjoyed it. And we get lots of compliments back from people that are downloading. So again, our thanks to you. 
Uh, and that's it. That's a wrap. This is Jonathan Farrington. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.